0: This is Volume 4, Issue 174. You can play along with Cain and Rince, Volume 4. The next five shows that you will be hearing from us are Silent Hill, Shattered Memories, finishing off our Wolfenstein series with Wolfenstein The New Order, Uh, then a show on God Hand, another on Too Human, and lastly finishing off this Silent Hill series, Silent Hill Downpour. You can find all of that information I've just given you on and Rinse.com, along with uh, a schedule that goes all the way to the end of Volume 4 now. Uh, you'll also find there our blog, links to our merchandise stall, Facebook page, Google Plus page, our YouTube channel, and you will also find, uh, as and when they come out fortnightly, uh, episodes of Sound of Play. Please do listen to those. Uh, a lot of uh, the people on this podcast have a deep, deep love for video game music, and that is a great way to get more of the music we love out to, into a podcast form without having to, to sort of blend into the shows we do uh, otherwise. It's a fantastic thing to have all of you listening, but what would be even slightly more fantastic, maybe just a little bit, would be if you would uh, review, rate, and most importantly, subscribe to both Sound of Play and this Cane and Rinse podcast on iTunes. That does a massive amount for our egos and also for getting us some more listeners getting the show out there if you uh, feel this is a good show it would be great to to pass that on i am james carter you've probably realized um in this issue joining me he looks fantastic in a hawaiian shirt it is sean o'brien hello hello in another life he is cowering in a toilet somewhere in brazil it's darren gargett i look fantastic out of a hawaiian shirt (laughs) And dodging sideways in slow motion, looking unbelievably cool, is Carl Moon. Hey, guys. You may well have guessed from that uh, introduction that we are talking Max Payne 3 on this show. We covered, originally, Max Payne and its first sequel way back in August 2012. That was Volume 1, Issue 46, for anyone looking to go back and hear, hear that one. But since that point, actually just before Max Payne 2 was was developed, um, Take-Two actually purchased the Max Payne character and series from Remedy uh, in 2002. We discussed that in the the previous show I've just mentioned. Uh, But that meant that this time around, Rockstar were free and clear to develop and produce this game themselves with Take-Two handling distribution. So it meant that this game feels, I guess, quite distinct from the others in the series. I don't know, guys, do you feel that's quite fair to say?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, 100%.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get into the sort of nitty-gritty of, of the tonal shifts and differences in, in the game, but uh, the, the big things to start with are this is... Developed by Rockstar Studios, which, a collaborative effort between Rockstar Vancouver, Rockstar London, Rockstar Toronto, (laughs) Rockstar New England, Rockstar San Diego, Rockstar Leeds, Rockstar North, Rockstar New York City, and Rockstar Lincoln. Uh, You you
2: missed out Rockstar Leighton Buzzard as well. (laughs) (laughs) How many people worked on this?
1: Well, I know uh, Vancouver gets top billing in the credits, so I have a feeling that they have probably put the most input in there.
0: Yeah, and it may well be multiplayer was handled by yeah, by a different yeah. team, etc. You know, there could be uh, various hands in various pots for different parts of this game. But it's fair to say this was a, a distinctly collaborative effort mm. from from Rockstar and their various studios. I'm not sure some of those studios exist anymore, to be honest. Well, no, Van- um,
1: Vancouver definitely doesn't.
0: Yeah the the way the way games development has gone, not just for Rockstar but for everyone, in the past sort of three years or so. The other thing that may have led to so many studios being involved is that the the game was actually started on uh, development in 2008 and wasn't released till 2012. It was originally due to be released 2009, was pushed back multiple times. It was was teetering on the edge of a game considered to be in development hell, I think it's fair to say, uh, during those years. But it did come to us. On the 15th or 18th of May 2012, depending upon which particular locale of this green earth you live on, PC uh, users, players, gamers, PC people, PCers, uh, had to wait a couple of weeks until the beginning of June 2012, and then, like several games around that time, it was ported over to, to Steam uh, on Mac OS X a year later, 20th of June 2013. So between 2008 and, and 2012 when the game was released, many studios had their hands on it. But there's actually quite a clear set of people who seem to have their fingerprints on this game. Uh, producer Steve Martin, presumably not the Steve Martin <laughs> that comes to mind. Uh, designer Sergei Kuprianov apologies for pronunciation if that's not quite correct um and writers notably dan hauser who is a name that anyone who's familiar with the grand theft auto series and what rockstar games in general uh will recognize michael onsworth and rupert humphreys other notable things about the game i suppose um the the rage engine uh i'm gonna call it the rockstar table tennis engine that was the first game <laughs> it was used on why not um but in conjunction with Euphoria, that's a combination that was particularly potent in Grand Theft Auto 4 mm. and was the same combination used here. So the the Rage engine being Rockstar's own engine, but the Euphoria uh, system being a, a, a physics and behavioral AI response system to kind of... In Grand Theft Auto, it was all about how pedestrians fell over when you hit them with a car. In this, it's about how people fall off over barriers when you shoot them in the face, uh, basically. This is published by Rockstar Games... Although distributed by Take-Two, who Rockstar kind of fall under with that kind of weird relationship they have where in some ways Rockstar is a bigger name than Take-Two, but Take-Two handle all distribution for them. So they've, you know, always had that kind of weird relationship going on. Before we get into, into talking about the, uh, the game, guys, I suppose it's, it's worth talking about how we came to this game. Carl let's start with you. I know you were a, a big Max Payne fan back uh, well right at the beginning when I was uh, having been on the previous show. Um I presume you were up for this on the 18th of May 2012 like I was.
3: Yeah. Um I I bought the collector's edition, uh, the, the the fancy damn one with the statue. Uh, I was super excited for it again like <laughs> you mentioned it had been through the development hell and I was worried coming out into its launch but decided to just go with it anyway um you know it it's my, it's my kind of game the mechanics were always there so yeah i was super excited mm-hmm. i was waiting for my postman to come and deliver my uh my collector's edition box and uh, <laughs> yeah the, the it was, it, was a, it was a great day because it, it was one of those few occasions where it came on the morning, I always remember. So I was able to sort of chill out and play it through the day because we've got the worst postman in the world here. They deliver it at right normally right at the end of the day. So this one was a particularly good day for me, yeah.
0: Cool, yeah. Um, yeah, like you, Max Payne was one of a, uh, I've said this several times on the Splinter Cell, Hitman and Max Payne podcasts. It was one of a, a handful, those three series that really sort of kept me uh, in touch with gaming through... Kind of my university years, I think, is around the turn of the century when those series were launching and kind of finding their feet. Um, and so I was more than aware that this game was was coming by sort of two thousand eight, and and not disappointed because I wanted the game to be as good as it could be. But certainly, um, looking at the slipping release dates and wondering when, if ever, I was going to get to play this yeah. game. Uh, so yeah, I I picked up the the two disc which seemed notable at the time uh xbox 360 release just because not many games did span multiple discs the mass effect series and i think battlefield 3 around this sort of time certainly did but uh it, there were kind of few and far between the games that went over onto more than a dvd um and and this one did and we'll get onto in a little bit why that is uh but i th- i think probably for for good reason uh so yeah i i nabbed that on on day one and um and went through this game uh, like nobody's business. Uh, And didn't then go back to it as much as I should have, probably, but uh, we'll come back to that anyway.
1: Um, Sean, how about yourself? Uh, Well, this is going to be a running joke now, but uh, surprise, I rented it day one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was a big fan, actually, of the first game. Um, I have really fond Mm. memories of it, and I never actually played the second one. Mm. But uh, everything I saw in the previews for the third game was really concerning for me because generally i'm like really not a fan of that kind of visual style in movies with the text mm-hmm. on the screen and the constant flashiness and all that i just it yeah. really doesn't appeal to me at all so that being so prominent in the previews really actually kind of turned me off mm-hmm. um so it was a rental day one but um yeah. now i own it on every platform so
0: well <laughs> yeah <laughs> excellent so uh, fair to say it won you over then
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Darren, round us off. How did you come to Max mm-hmm. Payne
2: Three? Uh, looking at my Rockstar Social Club achievement list, um, I bought the PC box version on day one, so first of June. Um, yep. I think I was riding on a wave of like, um, like uh, Garnet Lee and Giant Bomb sort of talking about it and hearing about how hard it was. You know, if you were, if you weren't playing it correctly, and you know, if you know what I mean, in quotes. So that and that appealed to me because it was kind of around the time where. The hard games were appealing to me in terms of like you know, Meat Boy and all that. So, I was like, you know what, I've really, I'm really up for a, a hard shooter. Like, you know, hearing that Max Payne can go down within a bullet, that was like, all right, well, let's try this. Um, I was a yeah. big fan of the first one, I've played the second one, but I don't remember much about it. Um, I just remember just dodging with my jumps. That's about <laughs> it. So, yeah, um, I yeah, bought, bought Max Payne 3 first of June and um, I've played it. That was on normal. I played it again on hard and I threw the pad around the room like a, <laughs> yeah, like an angry kid. And then on the 360, I started playing it on hard again, but I didn't have the time to finish it. So, yeah, I played it a few times.
0: It's going to seem odd that during talking about credits for the game and, and uh, fingerprints that were on it, that I didn't mention, mention, mention? Menture. <laughs> I definitely didn't mention, but I also didn't mention uh, health. As as the composer, uh, they did the score. Original yeah. score by health is the way it's credited mm. in, the, in the game. Um, the Max Payne theme, obviously separate to this. Um, that's completely distinct. That's Remedy's own. A couple of people at Remedy uh, yeah, yeah. wrote that, and it does come into this. But um, much like Noisia for uh, DMC, mm. uh, health are... A they're called them Wikipedia rock band. They're not. <laughs> really. come on, yeah, please. Definitely um, a noise rock band. <laughs> yeah. uh, they are a, a synth rock band, maybe mm-hmm. might be something more appropriate, but they were they were tasked with making the score to this film, and that was a very interesting choice to me because that seemed quite tonally distinct to what we'd had as the music mm-hmm. and the tone of the, the previous two games. Uh, um, those were much more... Uh, Pieces of classical music, um, alongside some sort of heavy, sort of uh, death metal type tracks, because some of the areas in the game kind of mm-hmm. needed that kind of thing. Um, whereas this seemed like much, much more as you would get in a film, where you get a uniform score that that feel that builds a, an aesthetic to mm-hmm. the game. Um, it stood out to me just because I. I loved it in no uncertain terms from <laughs> yeah. moment one, hearing the the sort of that kind of 80s synth tone coming into into the background, often very very low level, um, very indistinct, almost in the background over the sort of ferocious gunfire etc that's going on in in the foreground, um, but it was always there and it played a massive part in my kind of appreciation for this. Um, you guys in no specific order anyone wants to to talk about it the the score by health anything in particular stand out for for you
1: oh yeah like the they're now one of my favorite bands like i i I, just my first time hearing about them and um not to jump too far ahead but once tears kicks in at the end i was just Just, i was blown away i was like oh this is unbelievable so i um yeah i've been listening to them like all week and they actually just put out a new song uh on friday two days ago so okay oh, cool. yeah yeah but the score in general just it's it's really different from their actual like their albums and um yeah i know that they were going for they approached it uh much more in a like, as you said like a scoring kind of way uh rather than just like putting their songs in the game you know they went and said what's going to fit here what's going to fit there and uh, i think that was a really smart way to go about it and it ends up being totally different than the rest of their output but yeah it's just a fantastic score top to bottom.
3: Yeah, I mean, as as a score, it's it's absolutely superb. As Sean said, when the music kicks in towards the end, um, with tears, uh, I mean, anyone who actually listens to our sister podcast would know that I've already picked this as one of the tracks on that show. So uh, <laughs> people know my thoughts on how good that is. But there, are, there are many bits of music that i love from games that could be start screen or pause music or intro music but mm-hmm. there are very few that stand out for tracks that are actually happening as i'm playing obviously you've got towards the finale of mass effect 2 would be one but really the the sort of the finale towards the the end battle in max pain 3 ranks right up there with tears um it's mm-hmm. quite an inspired choice um of music yeah. to go with uh, it, it's really powerful. The words in it make a lot of sense with the story that's actually happened throughout the game. Mm. But, you know, as Sean said, top to bottom, it is a really, really good score for a game. It's. Different to what I was expecting. It's very different if you come into Max Payne three after playing the first two, because I know that the, obviously the biggest outcry was the you know where's the noir gone and it, it doesn't yeah, really yeah. follow that traditional noir music. I mean, there's bits in there and there's obviously there's the, the use of the Max Payne theme tune throughout the mm-hmm. throughout the game here and there mm. in bits, but health really went with a new idea because really Max Payne, as we'll discuss later on, is has sort of developed on from as a character from what he was in the first two games. And the score sort of represents that. And really a lot of Mm -hmm. the story and the emotion of what's happening, uh, actually takes place through the score rather than trying to force it through the, the Mm -hmm. comic book panel style that we had in the, in the first two games. Um, a lot of that actually relies (laughs) on on the score, which was a a real bold change, but very rock star because, you know, that's obviously the way they were working. Um, and they worked with that with the you know that that score front and centre.
2: Yeah, mm. I I really enjoy the the soundtrack overall. But for me, um, when it first really turned the you know the hairs you know standing up on the back of your neck and all that was when. You see, you see Max Payne diving through the glass where he's grabbed that guy and he's, yeah. he's in, the, in the nightclub. Yeah. He literally pushes yeah. him for a pane mm. of glass, and then the music just kicks off. Yeah. And yeah. it's the, the way they combine the visual aesthetic of the game with the surroundings. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, yeah, so sorry, the visual aesthetic of the world around you with the music. It was just perfect. Like, and yeah. I, I know it sounds weird to say, but like shooting people in the head in a nightclub with that kind of music it just worked for me. Because yeah. uh, um, yeah. uh, people may know I'm a big Prodigy fan, so like, when there's, a, there's kind of like, aggressive music and, <laughs> and, and a really solid you know, core gameplay, i.e. the shooting, I was just like, this is just perfect for me. Mm-hmm. I haven't really checked out health beyond here. I, to be honest, I'm a bit ignorant to it all, and I kind of find music just by accident, so I, I don't really go searching for music, but I'm mm. interested to hear what they sound like when they're not doing a score because mm-hmm. they they sound like something I should enjoy. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, Tears is an obvious classic. But I think all, throughout the whole game, it's just it's just yeah. consistently solid. Like no matter no matter what location you're in, there's a soundtrack that is perfectly suited to the environment. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and they're really smart about how they score each level too, because it'll, if you notice, like throughout the level, there's always music going on in some form. It's usually mm-hmm. just like a kind of bass line, like a really low... Uh, low-key, deep bass line. And then once action starts happening, that's when drums will kick in, or that's when you know, the rest of the band will kick in. And then as it dies down, so does the music too. It's just all really cohesive altogether. Hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, as I mentioned, it's like oftentimes the music will drop way down, but it's still there, mm-hmm, just yeah. as, a, as a complete uh, through line throughout the level or sequence of events. And yeah, it's, it speaks to a wider change of tone, for for the this as a Max Payne game for the series as a whole, mm-hmm. um, I think um, one thing that struck me was the the soundtrack builds a lot of the tone, but there are aspects of it that, like many Rockstar games, want to um, to have a, a filmic quality. I suppose is is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it it leans heavily on the fact that Max is an an American cop in Brazil for a large portion of this game. Mm. And there's a certain feel of Americana in the same way that there is in something like Drive, which for soundtrack reasons, uh, and for tonal reasons, to be honest, has some similarities Mm -hmm. to um, to, to the way that Rockstar uh, chose to go with Max Payne, uh, in that it celebrates certain... Things, mostly in this case either ridiculous or incredibly depressing things about uh, max payne as an american in brazil um the hawaiian shirt stands out as ridiculous that's one of the things you remember <laughs> about this guy is yeah. he walks into um a gang-controlled section of a brazilian favela wearing a hawaiian shirt with a gun strapped to his um under his arm uh, and a pair of shades on and expects anything but hostility. what happens <laughs> he just doesn't see it coming um and it's just ridiculous in that way that the british have this as well but the notion of uh, uh of an american in a foreign culture is of culture clash of potentially more dominant culture trying to ride rock shot over another i suppose mm. is the, is the the clean way of saying that um But particularly the scene in the sports stadium, for some reason, stood out to me because that should be somewhere that Max is at home. A sports stadium like that with lots of adverts, lots of lighting, lots of kind of the sort of stuff you'd expect from a giant 100,000-seater stadium. Mm. It should be somewhere you would have expected to see Max Payne. And yet... It's a football stadium, so he's out of place. Um, mm-hmm. He's being attacked from all sides for multiple reasons by people who speak a different language. So there's all of this kind of weird, even though it's not set in America, it's got a certain amount of what I would deem Americana to it. You know, that kind of celebration of some of the the aspects of American culture. Um, even though sometimes it may be kind of like poking fun at it or pointing out <laughs> that Max is drink and drug addiction are part and parcel of the the country he he lived in and what it did to him and Mm. the life he led and in new jersey and new york we see some flashbacks but um i just thought that was particularly interesting Mm. in terms of film references i popped a few on our notes here but you could like with a grand theft auto game Mm. you could take away dozens of Direct and indirect film references. Were there any that um, for for you, Sean, stood out in particular that you thought of when you think of this this game?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you got it listed here. Man on Fire is um, basically like Tony Scott's post True Romance uh, whole filmography is uh, almost okay. entirely like the, the visual style in Max Payne Three, and um, yeah, and you also have City of God in here too, which uh, is probably the most depressing movie I've seen outside of like graveyard of fireflies <laughs> in terms of setting and tone I think that one's yeah, yeah it's like dead on um, yeah and just, and just showing how dangerous uh, that area can be in real life and it's not a documentary but you know it's very much based on it's, stuff it's that based happens on there it's
0: the real counts yeah
1: yeah it's just a lot of Michael Mann too I think uh, is in here in terms of stories about uh, terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people <laughs> yeah um, yeah definitely yeah
0: yeah, I put Miami
1: Vice on there. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Thinking, po- I suppose possibly something more like Collateral would be more yeah. relevant in some that, ways. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of that going on as well. Yeah, um, and we talked about the sort of synth soundtrack in the same way that a lot of Michael Mann's films have that mm-hmm. kind of aspect to yeah. that kind of 80s feel right, uh, yeah. with the bright neon and the the um, lens flare and the bloom and blur effects and everything. In in Max Payne, it plays very directly into him his character because he's always Half cut is, yeah. is the way he puts it in the game. He's <laughs> never not on the on the verge of being drunk and unconscious. <laughs> especially early in the game, actually, I felt. They, they step back from it halfway through the game when he decides to sober up. But right, yeah. Especially early on in the game, the nightclub scene, you mentioned, Darren. Any cut scene there is has got, like, three different images all laid yeah. over one another as, mm-hmm. as he basically does all he can to stay upright and, and <laughs> awake. Yeah. Uh, and it has this really cool effect with this the sort of music in the background in that nightclub scene and um yeah, it just it has it's quite a, an overwhelming effect when it all comes together, mm. I think.
2: I hadn't seen Man on Fire until after I played this game because I heard everyone say Man on Fire, Man on Fire. So i was like, well, you know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. like the 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 way the the images double you know, like, you know, to give the impression that he's like, you know, coming off a hangover or something like that. that that's mm-hmm. the way I rep, you know, see it in my mind. Like every time mm-hmm. the image triples, it's like, well, Max Payne's still you know, damaged from pills and alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like there's quite a few T V kind of um nods. Like you say, Rockstar will pull from a lot of inspirations. But like the yeah, yeah the three panels in a screen is obviously 24, like yeah, that yeah, split screen effect, yeah. But yeah, like definitely. um the scene where there's a flashback where Max Payne's in the New Jersey bar, it's just so Sopranos, like when you see it, like, <laughs> yeah. the, the new kids, the new generation of kids in the Sopranos, yeah, uh, yeah. Jackie April and all that, like the, the, way, the way those guys approach Max Payne is so much like the younger, the, you know, the younger generation in the Sopranos, yeah. Yeah. It, it just put a massive smile on my face, because they're all cocky, <laughs> they're all like, yeah, I own this town, and you're like, well, yeah. actually, your dad owns this town yeah. that, that, that is so New Jersey yeah. Sopranos yeah. Like crew it's unbelievable
3: obviously I'll, I'll mention the Man on Fire references as well because that it, it's quite clear to anyone who's seen that film and I I mean I absolutely love that film anyway uh, so going into this that was something that, that made me smile um, and yeah, it's that mix of the music and that sort of overlaid art style. Uh, it reminded me of hmm. when we'd all go out and drink when we were too young and you'd be in the nightclub <laughs> and you'd realise you drank too much and you'd sort of squint in your eyes to try and yeah. keep focus and the music's banging <laughs> in your head. And it, it's that sort of effect. And you can imagine that that's what Max is going through because obviously by this point, Max is a very, very different character. You know, he's... Um, He's borderline yeah. suicidal because he doesn't feel like he really has a right to live. He's yeah. he's no longer the good yeah. person that he was, but he's working for worse people to protect them from the worst <laughs> people. So yeah. it, it really is that sort of strange um, hierarchy of of sort of the lower scum of, of Brazil um, throughout that storyline. Then that combined with the fact that Max is all too self-aware, that he is no longer someone who he feels himself is worth saving, uh, mm, outside yeah. of, of making money, um, his closest friend is Passos, who, you know, he ne- he never really seems to have a full level of faith in him. Um, mm-hmm. He's he, he's obviously he's addicted to drugs. He's addicted to painkillers. Or should I say he's addicted to painkillers, and you feel he's addicted to drugs, uh, but he's never shown. He's certainly mm. addicted to alcohol, <laughs> yeah. and he's sort of down yeah. and out. Um, and, James, you mentioned that, you know, about halfway through he starts sobering up, which, you know, sort of comes in with a two-disc swap. I think that whole thing sort of worked well, um, the two sides of, of, of Max Payne coming through. You know, he decides to clean up his act and whatnot. But it's, yeah, that, that whole sort of design arc of Man on Fire from the visual style to, the, to Denzel Washington's character being somewhat similar to Max um, in terms of his design, that, you know, he'd no he's no saint. Let, let's not forget that <laughs> when we play Max, we are not playing a good guy. Right, We're yeah. just playing a guy who's better than everyone else in that game. Maybe, yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- th- yeah, maybe. I mean, that's not even a guarantee. Uh, he- he's someone who, all, you know, I always remember when people were playing Uncharted and people would joke along saying, well, Nathan Drake's yeah. like a mass murderer. Max knows he 's a mass murderer, that's, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he acknowledges that he 's killed too many people, so yeah that, that's you know that whole visual uh, style all sort of really lends itself to
0: the, to the the gritty style and story that this game has gone for yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I think man on fire is a, a a logical touchstone, but that 's one of many films, certainly over the past ten years but way back before then that would be known as as uh, revenge thrillers i guess yeah. that kind yeah. of mm. thing mm. Um, and they often they often do have an, an antihero at the centre of it all. I actually uh, just yesterday watched John Wick, and that's there's a lot of that hmm. that I can I can see they've not taken from Max Payne three obviously, but <laughs> taken from similar sources and similar lineage sure, yeah. of that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of similar stuff going on there, um, and almost a. a carbon copy scene where the the son of the guy in charge is the one who is trying to prove himself against someone that they really shouldn't be messing with <laughs> um in, in that film and and likewise here um i think the the other thing that's worth uh, mentioning are the uh, dynamic subtitles um mm. that, that mm. they have in or uh, i think yeah uh glenn watts in a, in a uh, post he made in our forum said it's it's actually a kinetic typography I think he, he referred to mm-hmm. it as where it, it it's sometimes done with subtitles where it's not just your basic Arial font White text down the bottom. It's something a bit more involved and dynamic mm. around the screen. Yeah, might appear in different places. Might sort of fade in and fade out, or you know, it'll, it'll come onto the screen in different ways. Uh, but in in this game, it's not just done for language reasons. It's also yeah. done to enhance certain words or phrases or parts of sentences um, in a way that, again, for, for the first half of the game. Uh, feeds into this notion that Max's senses are being overwhelmed Mm. uh, by the fact that he's drunk and therefore even, you know a slightly loud noise or a slightly bright light is just going to completely overwhelm him. He's not able to take it in. Uh, and the notion that he's kind of fading in and out of being able to stick with what people are saying, but certain words he's picking up from from a sentence and, and getting the gist of it. He's not really able to concentrate too much. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a stylistic choice again, yeah. like the sort of split screen, mm-hmm. uh, effect they have several times as well. Mm. Um, and, and again, that kind of all field feeds into, uh, that, that, filmic aspect of, of this game. Um which kind of brings us on to the noir aspect because in in the way that Max Payne and Max Payne 2 were really going for, they were dripping in like to mm-hmm. the point of too much. Uh, this noir aesthetic. Max Payne 3 isn't, it's different, but I think there are still a lot of aspects of it that do speak to noir sensibilities. Mm-hmm. The horror and occult aspects of of the first two games are completely gone. Yeah, There's nothing there of that. There was always this notion that um, some of the mobsters either believed in or maybe there was actually something supernatural going on or maybe it was just the drugs they were all taking. But there was this notion that there might be something there In this one it's not. It's much more straight crime based. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The comic book uh, panel styling of the cutscenes is gone but the the gravelly max's gravelly uh voiceover mm-hmm. uh remains although he he does that during cutscenes and during the uh, the gameplay where he's actually just talking to himself right yeah. uh, which again speaks to in the first two games there was this grandiose notion of max maybe was above what was going on or was narrating it in some way whereas this time around it just sounds like he's a bit deluded and he's <laughs> trying to kid himself that he knows more about what's going on than other people or um like you guys were saying, he's surrounding himself with people worse than himself, but he's doing that to kind of kid himself that he's a decent person yeah. <laughs> in some ways. And he's again, he's he's yeah. his voiceover comes up in like grey subtitle text in the game, um, and it's all in that kind of deadpan, dripping in noir, um, yeah, totally. city's going to hell. I'm the man to save it type way. But there's no, no there's no misapprehension that that's the case. Max is just kidding himself all the way through this yeah. every time I mean, he says in, something in terms it's just... of noir
3: um, it, it, it's you yeah. know the the one thing that people constantly referenced around the launch was the fact that the noir had gone um, because people saw the screenshots or they saw the Hawaiian shirt or they saw bald Max or you know um, yeah. and, and it was <laughs> fair but I know a lot of people who intentionally avoided this game because it no longer is noir and that's what Max Payne was and whilst yeah, that, that noir has yeah. gone, let That's us not strange. kid ourselves, this game is darker than either mm. of the first two games in total. Yeah. This game has yeah. some yeah, seriously sure. dark stuff in it, um, mm. that, and it uses pure um, gameplay uh, and storyline development to get there. It doesn't use these, I don't want to call them gimmicks, but th- these noir stylings to get through it. It just tells you a really dark story. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it doesn't mask mm-hmm. itself yeah. behind yeah. anything because you know the only thing that's that's truly dark is the fact that this is what the world is like. It's obviously it's it's mm. a glorified <laughs> example of it, but we know that mm-hmm. this stuff actually happens and it yeah. actually happens in Brazil. So mm. something that I found really interesting was that they were they actually just went with that.
2: I know a few people who listen to this show and are friends of mine who i've met through podcasts and stuff that that they haven 't played this game all the way through because they found it too depressing yeah and I, yeah. I can totally yeah. see that because totally the, yeah. the way some of these characters are dragged through the mud quite literally you know and metaphorically is is part of the reason why I was compelled to see it through because i 've never really seen a game story. You know, uh, the, deliver a, such a depressing story mm-hmm. all the way through, yeah. and I'm yeah. a bit of a weird martyr for that kind of stuff. I do like dark comedy. I do kind of like you know a different kind of story. And when you know the guys, you know the guys and girls that he's protecting are just getting battered, I was like, I've I've got to see this through, no matter how <laughs> dark and twisted it gets. And mm-hmm. I don't know what that says about me that I you know I actually enjoyed it. But yeah, a few friends of <laughs> mine literally couldn't play it because they found it too depressing. Quite impressive considering the game isn't noir at all. Mm. I was I was actually really surprised by its um its dark turns.
1: What you were just saying about how some people bailed out early. I almost did mm. um I I wasn't really feeling it for the first like couple hours because it was so kind of it was kind of one note at the beginning where it's just that, mm. you know he's doing this voice and it's always yeah. like this and then everything is <laughs> everyone's getting shot around him. And um it, it wasn't until um the level on the on the river um where I kind of jumped in on it and and I was, I was able to get over that kind of like constant negativity. Yeah. Um, Mm. But it did take me a while to get over that. So I don't blame people for bailing out early, but I would Mm. hope that some of them go back. (laughs) It's definitely
0: dropped the noir stylings, but in terms of the character, Max Payne and the world that he's in, it's still very much uh, a noir setting in terms of this is an, an anti-hero, He's a retired cop, which is a great noir trope. That's sure, a yeah. good, consistent yeah. one. Working as private security. So again, in a world that is more shades of grey than being a police officer, and and the fact that Max is as rotten as everyone around him, mm-hmm. he's just slightly more self-aware than they are. He's mm. slightly <laughs> less willing to to ignore it, although he does willingly bury his head in the sand and just plow on regardless. Uh, until about halfway through the game at least. But yeah, it is it is relentlessly bleak in many ways. Um, it speaks to a world that in the first two games, it felt like the noir was a styling, Max was a dark character amongst the world, but there was in him and the world some glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. Like there yeah. was always just one or two key people who were in charge of a company that was evil or whatever yeah. that, that needed to be taken out and the world would be a better place. I think in Max Payne 3... Part of why um, the writers and and the producers went to Sao Paulo, into favelas like the ones depicted in the game, and tried to find out about police, about gangs, about the world and the way it works, part of the reason they did that is to try and represent, albeit an extreme version of that, but a version that that does have a a ring of some kind of reality not one i've experienced myself yeah. obviously but there's enough realism about it to make you think hang on there is no hope here yeah mm-hmm. there's no hope in max anymore he's well he's 30 years past hope being an option on the table mm-hmm. um and there isn't any in the world for him to see either really the one glimmer obviously being passos and um uh, giovanna who who leave and go off to start a family and hopefully escape that world. Mm-hmm. But they leave under the auspices of, well, did Passos really sell Max out? How much did he yeah. willingly allow Max to be betrayed and betray Max himself? You know, so there just isn't a glimmer of hope in it. And and I, yeah, absolutely understand people in the same way they would a series like Sopranos or uh, a film like Man on Fire turn away from mm. and, and say, this is just, mm. no, not, not for me at all.
3: In terms of being bleak, has can we say, has any game ever had a moment as bleak as the moment that Marcelo gets necklaced in <laughs> yeah. Brazil? Yeah. Where, yeah. oh, in Brazil it's called Micro Ondas, but uh, for anyone who doesn't know what necklacing is, it's essentially you strap tyres around someone that are filled with petrol, and then you set those tyres on fire whilst they're trapped. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the game actually shows you this. And that, mm-hmm. that, that, for me, was genuinely shocking.
2: Mm, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. definitely. And
3: I, I, there's very few times I've ever been truly shocked at video games. I mean, obviously, I, I play a lot of yeah. horror games, and horror is horror. You know, that doesn't surprise me. I yeah, think the, probably yeah. the most surprising thing is that they have one of the most gruesome executions that I can think of in the world shown in a game. And obviously, this this is something that is used by drug dealers in Brazil. Right, um, yeah. yeah. And it's you know obviously the correct the the term for it is necklacing but in in Brazil it's known as microondas which basically is microwave oven <laughs> and oh, it's quite oh, wow.
2: horrific it's yeah. quite
3: horrific that, that I mean, that's Pete... in there and I mean like I said they they did not
2: shy. People were like, um, when GTA five came out, people were like, "Oh, the Trevor scene is really controversial," and I was really shocked by it. But personally, like, I, I wasn't that bothered by it because I had I had seen the stuff that happens in Max Payne Three. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I've seen deeper yeah. than this, mate. Like yeah. when um, when the the girl Fabiana gets yeah, executed, like that, I, was, mention, I yeah. was like, this game is not messing around. <laughs> yeah. like, as much as I was shocked by it, I was pulled in even further. Like, how far can they go with this story? Like, where mm-hmm. else can they go? Like. Like it's not even that far into the game, really, and they're like executing this girl in a barrel. Is it like they were just shot her right in front of you and set her yeah. on fire? You were like, oh my god! Like <laughs> these, these guys aren't messing around.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing. Um, Max has gone in there to try and save the the wife of his boss. Two other people from that family have now come in to try and save her as well, unbeknownst to Max. He walks into a room. The woman he's there to save gets shot. Then he sees the police take, ostensibly at that point, the police taking away. Um, the two other hostages, (laughs) they then, next time he sees them, they're handing civilians over to this gang. Um, He turns the corner and there's one of the other hostages. So the implications at that point are, um, not only are the gangs up to this, there's there's also a paramilitary group involved in this and a a section of the police force involved, Mm -hmm. and they've all conspired to kill one hostage and then burn another one completely (laughs) alive. And it's just... uh, it's just a series of events that happen throughout that section when you're in the, the favela. It is unbelievable how, how relentlessly bleak that entire seri- sequence is. And that's, that's after Max has just resolved to put things right. He's just resolved <laughs> yeah. to go sober, to straighten himself out, to get this all sorted, to start paying attention, to start doing the right thing for once. And, yeah, the story or, or the people involved in the story just kick him right back down. So yeah, it it just is uh, re- relentless. It it really really is mm. all through the the story and all the various twists and backstabbing. And you do get to the point late in the game where you start to wonder: is is everyone as awful as <laughs> or more awful than than Max? Um, I I can't think of a single redeeming character uh, <laughs> aside from maybe Giovanna, but she doesn't really get a lot of character development
2: or anything. Yeah, you buy into the like, the emotion of, you know, the execution so well because of the way the characters are written. You know, they might have their own tropes, like Max Payne's gravelly, depressing voice and blah, 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 blah. But the way they're written, you know, in the rock star fashion, like, there's so much incidental dialogue that you feel Mm. kind of connected to these people. You're kind of like, you understand what they're going through because kind of like a Tarantino film. You will hear a lot of dialogue that doesn't really mean anything in terms of story, but you you're learning a lot about the characters as you, as you go along. So when when you see one of them like get shot directly in the skull, you're like, "Oh <laughs> no. Like this is yeah, you know, you 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 do feel it. Well, I I know I did and um yeah, me yeah too. It, it made me want to just pursue the story further."
1: Yeah, that scene is also the tension in that scene is great because everybody is screaming when he breaks into that room and they're all screaming in Portuguese. And throughout the whole game, there's no subtitles or anything. So you're just, a lo- I mean, un- unless you speak Portuguese, you're, uh, you're yeah, on the same you're lines definitely. as Max is, where everyone's screaming, there's yeah. this chaos around, and he doesn't understand what's going on. He's just trying to save these people, and it's just all just squashed right under his feet. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it is, uh, it, it is quite remarkable. Um, and actually, on the, the Trevor note, um, in one of the flashback scenes... Max has to dig his own grave, basically. Mm. <laughs> um, and there's a—I a, think he's referred to as the grave digger in the game. That character model is the spit of Trevor. <laughs> I don't know if, if either of you guys saw it, but he's—he's he's briefly in the cutscene, and then he's like the second or third person you end up killing. He runs at you with a shotgun um, just after you get control. Um, and I think that's a, a really good touchstone. Is when I t- take the story of of Max Payne, not the the kind of linear, restricted uh, gameplay space, maybe, but the actual story of it. It feels like a very, very condensed version of a Grand Theft Auto story. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like a much more linear, much more streamlined, much more filmic version you know in, in terms yeah. of being all kind of pieced together in one coherent whole, all rather than being kind of broken up chopped about uh kind of pseudo optional story of a, mm-hmm. of a grand theft auto game it feels like a very condensed version of that and when you get it all one beat after the next it just goes to show you how yeah <laughs> uh bleak and, and relentless and oppressive um those stories could be if it wasn't for the the kind of slapstick humor the ridiculous humor the the open world aspect that gives air to the stories in the grand theft auto game Mm -hmm. you can go and go to play pool or go to a bowling alley or whatever in in grand theft auto and you can't do that here there's no getting away from it there's no moment Mm -hmm. aside from i think one or two moments where mid gunfight you can play the piano which seems odd but <laughs> you can and Max will actually say I think I really need to get back to what I'm doing <laughs> when, when you do that we, yeah. so there are the odd light touch but for the most part it just doesn't shy away from it uh, and it, it's that it's that not shying away that makes it tough to take but there is uh, I think something compelling about this story in, in the way that if you enjoyed A Man on Fire or or similar um, I think you'll find
2: something to enjoy here Most of the way the story is linked together is quite rising to like the how serious the story is, it's all connected by these over the top moments of you know cinematic gameplay I guess like which kind of feeds into the gameplay overall but it's it's such a for, for me it's such a weird juxtaposition of like you know these guys are getting burnt to yeah. death in tires, but Max Payne's sliding down a roof flinging himself <laughs> through the front of a window, like, you know, hanging onto a chopper upside down, firing rockets out of the sky. It's, yeah, it's yeah. such a weird juxtaposition of themes. But yeah. somehow it works for me. Um, I think I, I think that's kind of, because it's the third one in the series, you kind of expect, you know, ludicrous dives through the air around corners and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I, I wasn't quite ready for slow-mo picking rockets out of the sky. But again, I, <laughs> I, yeah, it, it didn't put me off the story or the gameplay at all, but it just it did stick out to me as like a this feels a bit too over the top but then that's kind of the point i guess
1: yeah it's weird that like when i was playing it i that didn't even cross my mind but as you mentioned it right now yeah it's totally strange juxtaposition
2: yeah he goes from like denzel washington to uh you know Bruce Willis, John yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's die hard yeah. and then yeah, he's not yeah, it's, it's completely weird yeah
0: in that aspect it's very cartoonish mm. action in the gameplay sequences mm-hmm. although it is still there is a lot of blood in blood effects in in the in the gameplay sequences mm-hmm. um and it will do a kill cam on the last enemy in the room mm. um so unnecessary n- not quite sniper elite <laughs> 3 levels of no. kill yeah. cam, but it it does do that slow down bullet cam you're going to see this and a blood (laughs) spurt come out of wherever it happens to hit and it is i suppose in 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 that respect at least the gameplay is as violent as the cutscenes. there's not too much of a disparity there but i know what you mean darren the the cartoonish Mm. uh, notion of the action is is very over the top the other thing that's kind of over the top um aside from max swearing off alcohol but still needing to pop (laughs) painkillers for health so he he doesn't give up that addiction um that's a that's just a, a a facet of of the gameplay mechanic that you yeah, can't then yeah. just take out um, although he's supposed to be kind of sobering up um, but <laughs> another thing that struck me is just how fast the gameplay actually is mm-hmm. um, not necessarily in a sort of call of duty twitch response type yeah. speed of gameplay but in terms of the movement in terms of how quickly you're gonna to have to pivot and and deal with enemies mm-hmm. and um and that kind of thing, it felt very, very fast. It felt like um especially with the camera control as well, felt like almost like an old school PC style third person shooter, which I guess is where Max Payne comes yeah, from, definitely. so it makes sense. But mm. um on a console with a controller, it felt in the same way that the Max Payne games did, a little odd versus, say, a Gears of War, which is quite Slow and weighty, mm. it, it didn't necessarily have those aspects, I thought.
2: Well it's kind of um, it's kind of immediate, is is I guess what you're trying you know, what you said earlier. Like, yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. way the action unfolds is you know, he will die in one shot if you're not covered properly like um, mm-hmm. you know it's like some games if you're hiding behind a cover like you feel like you're covered you're protected whether your head's poking out or not but with max Payne free if your head is showing the tiniest bit of you know skull <laughs> from the other side and, it, and mm-hmm. you're playing on hard like you would oh, yeah. you would just yeah, drop yeah. Uh, like a you know like a fly and it's um, yeah you learn that lesson very quickly to just you know stay behind those pillars and you know it is it is a cover shooter in its you know in its purest because you need that cover more mm-hmm. than any other game
1: Yeah, it forces yeah. you to keep yeah. moving though because a lot of uh the areas break away, so I've noticed that like you yeah. know I'll yeah. sit behind cover for like a you know good ten seconds or so before that whole side of cover is gone <laughs> so it, it yeah. I like that it does if keep I'm forcing mean. you to move and it keeps the gameplay kinetic
0: in that respect the bullet time system does kind of feed into that notion, but I think it's also a a false sense of security because there were numerous times where I thought five guys yeah i'll be fine hit bullet time dived out and if if you miss one of them or hit one of them not quite in the head you hit them in the shoulder instead um you can then end up being vulnerable on the floor with multiple enemies standing around you (sighs) Mm. and that's it you are done you need to be really sure of when you're using it to the point where for the first half of the game even playing on hard i almost felt like i just wanted to play a cover shooter didn't use bullet time aside from just as a slow mechanic not the dive mechanic Mm. um that it also can be um But once I got to the second half of the game playing on hard, I felt like I needed that bullet time because I wasn't, as you say, Darren, getting my head above the parapet unless I was on slow-mo in order to kill the enemies um, Mm. around me. And that meter can run out pretty quickly as well. Um, There's one specific section in Chapter 12, I think it is, where Max blows the rooftop on hard i found that i had to do that so many times yeah, just because yeah. it felt like it was one shot you're dead and and it's taking at that point multiple shots to take out enemies unless you get a really clean mm. headshot mm. um and it, it, yeah it just and especially on any of the sequences that were on uh, moving vehicles or on that sequence because yeah. the ground's <laughs> moving um the the aim becomes very squirrely as well so yeah. unless you're on bullet time it can get very very difficult to to get that tiny dot reticule over an enemy's uh, head quickly had a, a a feel of yeah tension because of that and pace as well because it felt like you had mm. to be very reactive often yeah
2: um, which you I thought was quite cool you mentioned tension uh, playing on hard is it was a definitely a, a massive learning experience um I never relied ever before in a cover shooter on mm-hmm. Blindfire mm-hmm. until yeah. this one. Like mm. and and seeing the the crosshair turn from a little dot to an X, it's like <laughs> it's so satisfying to know that your Blindfire shot has actually yeah. done something. And <laughs> yeah, like you, you realise that yeah. blind fire is actually a really effective method of um you know of, of playing the game. Uh, but what I loved about the combat and you know the third person stuff um, in Max Payne Three more than any other third person shooter, uh, which is why you know I do love Max Payne Three so much is that. Max will, like in GTA, like in GTA 5, when you jump and you press B and they do the, the forward roll and they react to the world around them. Like Max Payne 3, he will yeah. wash his head on tables and you will kind yeah. of feel it. Like you will, you will dive accidentally and smack your head in the wall and you're like, well, that's me gone. And you, yeah. but, but sometimes you will land on the floor and you can carry on shooting on the floor like a you know, hard-boiled right. John yep. Woo style. And you do feel yep. like mm-hmm. a hero. Like sometimes you're like, oh my I can't yeah, yeah. believe I'm fighting these guys off. So it, it really is like, it's either one extreme or the other like you will bop your head on a wall and will like oh and you hit the floor but then he'll carry on fighting but sometimes you'll just get a swarm like you said James and you'll just get swarmed yeah, bullets yeah, yeah. and you're like oh my god it just feels you know it is a buzzword but it does feel mm-hmm. visceral you know it does feel really <laughs> harsh and it will punish you for uh, making the wrong dive
0: the other thing that, that happens it's worth saying um, so you, you've got two different types of bullet time you can either just put it on as a, as a slow-mo effect or uh, you can have the dive effect and Occasionally, mid-dive, I would die or go into last Mm. stand mechanic with no bullets on my clip... (laughs) A reticle pointed at the floor and I couldn't get it anywhere near an enemy in time or no enemies on screen. So there are times where the game in in its efforts to to do that, to have Max react to what's actually going on around him, Mm. uh, will just leave you completely high and dry Mm. and and just looking at a really slow (laughs) death before you can reload and start again. Um, So it, it does have moments like that where you think, okay, the fact that I guess the Euphoria engine's in play uh, puts Max in difficult positions. It feels like something like that's that's happening because occasionally you'll be doing kind of like a, a somersault in midair, effectively, mm. or a twist in midair, yeah. and yeah, you've got no bullets in your gun the enemies are quickly getting behind cover and you can't get reticle anywhere near them.
2: It can end up being a little bit frustrating. It's when Max's arm is lit physically behind him and you (laughs) see see him swinging and you know that you're not going to... You know know Max's model is not going to swing around in time for you to shoot at them. I found that so refreshing, the fact that they took the time to realise where Max's arms were. In, there isn't just a the red skull on screen it, all yeah. the He's, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. going to suddenly yeah. bend his arm. Well, there are. There is a screenshot of him where he does bend <laughs> the gun through the back of his head. That's why because it, it was quite buggy when it first came out on PC. But yeah, like it feels. He feels like a person. He feels like he's got purpose. He's he's got physics. He's got you know like um, yeah. The animations mm. are part and parcel yeah. of the physics,
0: mm. not something flashy on screen happening otherwise. Yeah. So when yeah.
2: when he's swinging his arm around, and like you, you've you've you know you've um you've dumped all your bullets on the floor because his his arm's over here somewhere behind him, and then by the time he swings it round he's flailing down to the floor and your gun go just goes click, 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 <laughs> click, click. click, And it's just like, that's, that's what yeah. would happen. You know what I mean? Right. You know, if he took yeah. a bullet to the shoulder, that's how you would react. And I just found that so exhilarating and refreshing. Carl, we, we haven't heard
0: from, from you in a little while. Um, obviously, if there's anything you'd particularly like to say about bullet time and the mechanics, feel free. But I wanted to come to you specifically because um, I know that at release you went through pretty much i think i'm right in saying all the various different difficulties and modes uh, and aside yeah. from playing on hard difficulty first time through i wondered if you'd like to try and explain to me cuz i still can't wrap my head around it, all the different modes that are in the in the single player game
3: right well the, i was just listening along listening to you babying around about saying how hard it was on hard <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah there's the, the, there's a few different modes in in, ter- in terms of the bullet time um, and the one thing i really want to talk about is the shooting uh, first of all because the biggest worry coming into this game was that the shooting wouldn't feel great this wasn't Remedy running the show this was Rockstar now and their games before this mm-hmm. hadn't had the strongest shooting mechanics we had Grand Theft Auto 4 which was ropey at best for its shooting and then we had yeah. Red Dead Redemption which was somewhat getting there but it, you were you thinking that if that was in Max Payne 3 it's not going to do the job and then they got Max Payne 3 and everyone played it and thought well the shooting's really quite strong so GTA 5's in a good position and then obviously GTA Five replicated, somewhat similar to what Max Payne 3 did in terms of its quality mm. of shooting. So they did yeah, a definitely. really good job with the shooting, so you never feel... Um, the best way I can put it is you never feel restricted or that the game is unfair due to the mechanics you're playing it. Um, and the game that I would closest compare that to would be any of the Souls games, where if you're careful and you know the area, you will never feel like the mechanics in the game have robbed you of something. Mm. But that you've made an error. And that's what Max Payne 3 play, like for me, because I ended up going through on New York Minute and then New York Minute Hardcore, which are just two of the additional modes. And if that wasn't the case, those would never have been fun for me because the game becomes about learning the areas. You know, once you learn those areas, Mm -hmm. you're in a much better position um, to take on the combat in the game because it's something like. like Bloodborne, for example, where you're constantly going back through the areas, or oh, obviously the other Souls games, and you learn that style against the enemies, but it's more about knowing where those enemies are, and then every run through you know that little bit more info, and by the time you're going through on New York Minute Hardcore in Max Payne, you know that if you shoot that guy, there's a guy who comes out that door on the far right-hand side, and if you shoot him, you can get a shot to the guy on the left, but then you can dive behind... And it becomes that whole method of perfect play and you know you need to hit that perfect run and for me new york minute was just absolutely the highlight of this game now new york minute is a game where you start with one minute on the clock that counts down and this is from the start of the game now in new york minute it runs level to level so you start the first level with a minute on the clock it immediately starts counting down you get a kill you get five seconds if it's a headshot kill you get six seconds um (laughs) if you get a melee kill you get ten seconds if you get an explosion kill, so like a grenade or whatnot, 10 seconds again. Or if you blow up a vehicle, also 10 seconds. So the idea is you start to use the world around you to try and boost your time. Because there are some moments where you may have to take a bit more time. And you can see that clock ticking down. you're like, well, I've got to make a move. Um, <laughs> and as you mentioned earlier, sometimes you just want to play it as a cover shooter. You wait here for a little bit longer and assess the situation. You don't get that option in new york minute it becomes a massive case of risk and reward you you know you need to take that risk to get that time there are times where you can have no uh, painkillers on you and the best option is literally running up to the enemy and melee killing them they try and shoot you because you know you're going to get mm-hmm. more time out of it yeah mm-hmm. and that was really fun because it goes level to level
0: yeah so it means that certain sections of the game like the uh, boat turret section where you're not only taking out the enemies on the boats, but you want to take down the boat as well because you'll get extra time back from that, presumably. Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. And that, that, that that's a perfect one that was... Um, There's the certain things to do in that level in a very certain order to to sort of reap the rewards for time. And now okay, in, quite New quite Minute, time, yeah. in New York Minute Hardcore mode, which unlocks afterwards, you play the game essentially on hard difficulty, but the whole game is New York Minute. Hmm. So you start the first level with one minute and that time continues across every level. Oh yeah, and if you die, you start again from level one. Oh, So, <laughs> you, you have to do all 14 chapters on hard difficulty on oh one life God. with a time that starts at 60 seconds. And that's is incredible. I absolutely yeah. love that mode. I'm not going to lie and say I did it first time because <laughs> I didn't.
0: Yeah, I would imagine not. Yeah,
3: I did get to chapter 14 and die in oh. the airport. That was a little bit frustrating. <laughs> um, and but it, it all told, it took me maybe seven or eight goes. But given that the the game on a perfect run can take hmm, maybe four hours from memory, four I was five hours. Say, yeah. yeah Um, that it's a little bit frustrating when you get about three hours in and then do something stupid because it's the little things like you need to know where the painkillers are and Mm. you know you mentioned the mechanic where if you get your last bullet to kill someone it'll go slow-mo or you can get up Mm. off the floor if you you were downed but you can only get back up if you had one painkiller in your possession so you're constantly making sure that you've got at least one there, even if you've got damage, because sometimes it's better to just get downed and then hope you get the kill. Mm -hmm. But then you can't empty your clip, and it becomes all these different criteria going around you, and you're alerted to the fact that you know maybe you could use that car over there. So, for example, in the first chapter when you're running through the garage, there are moments where you're better off actually trying to shoot cars in the distance because you know you're going to get 10 seconds and maybe one will blow up into three. Um, And it becomes learning that Mm -hmm. world, whereas... In standard single player, it's taking in the story and getting through. And and as you know, Darren mentioned it does get a bit bombastic with the shooting of the rockets and all that. It never loses sight that it's a game. Uh But New York Minute Mm -hmm. is weird because it's the exact same levels, but it feels so completely flipped that it feels like an entirely different game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. and that was brilliant. What I mean, that is a real thrill because. Uh, Risk reward level to level is there, but when it's the whole game and you think, "Well, I've got to run up to this guy and melee him," but you're on level nine, you're like, "That's a bit of a gamble." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if you die, yeah, yeah, that's you starting again. Um, so, I'm a huge fan of New York Minute Mode because it it feels, it was in the other games, but it, it in my <laughs> opinion, it's utilised best in this one, and I can't think of many other yeah. games that do it. If any other
0: games that have used this mode the only thing that's similar that i can think of is yep. mm-hmm. uh dead space 2's hardcore mode with the limiting saves um that yeah obviously not in the kind of moment to moment risk reward but you had to know what you were doing and, yeah, and three serves. plan and obviously you know mm. yeah, yeah yeah
3: yeah i mean i i did the dead space one as well and that that was great mm-hmm. fun um yeah. This feels different because you feel rushed in this. You've got that time.
0: Well, yeah, because there's literally no time to relax at all. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah.
3: exactly. Uh, Another mode you've got is you've got score attack, where the idea (laughs) is that you're running through trying to tally your scores up as high as possible for playing the levels. So that's probably the best way, because you can get rated bronze, silver, gold, or platinum. So you sort of learn the levels uh, through in score attack, and that's how you start to learn where all the enemies are coming from. And... The the way I feel about playing this is how when you hear someone talking like when you hear self James or, or you Sean or Josh mm-hmm. for example talking about these Souls games and how you they get these runs and they get that thrill of, of you know taking on these these bosses or or whatnot and l- learning the areas um, and and grinding up those those uh, items to utilise later on etc that's what this was for me and it seems a yeah. bit weird because it's mm-hmm. nothing that i was expecting i wasn't expecting this side of the game to hook me because i was all about the story um yeah. so th- this mm-hmm. was just a massive bonus for me um but yeah score score attacks another one so you start to learn the levels and you get awarded points on how you kill people etc um and then you know, obviously other than that you've got your difficulties hard hardcore um and then old school as well all of which uh the slight tweaks, but not too different from the main game. But New York Minute is really the additional mod mm. that I absolutely love.
0: Yeah, it sounds so odd to me thinking of this game as a score attack game, because in many ways it is an arcade mm. shooter in terms of the abilities, in terms of how fa- fast it plays, etc. Uh, in some ways it does feel like a, a stranglehold or something, which would be kind of an arcade type shooter. Um, but the tone of it is so... yeah different when you're playing the story mode. And as you say, actually, if you look at the gameplay and if you're just running through that, skipping cutscenes and going quickly, yeah, you're talking four or five hours if you're running through it, especially on one of the easier uh, difficulties. Uh, But actually, first time I played through it was on hard. Obviously watching all the cutscenes and, and trying to take yeah. everything in and wandering around and looking for uh, golden gun parts and painkillers and stuff like that. Any of the evidence you can collect or stuff you can interact with. And that actually felt like quite a, not long in a bad way, but it felt like a, a big game. It felt like it was a yeah. t- 10, almost 12 hour game probably. Uh, I think
3: it probably took me longer than that. To be honest, yeah. on my first playthrough, it like when when I yeah. saw that these additional modes were in there, I was like, "I'll never be." Able- How are you going to do this game in like one sitting? <laughs> because it is yeah, a really yeah. big game, and of course, we've got the cutscenes which you can't really skip because they're the what's masking the loading times. Yeah. Those loading times they're are loading huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there there the, the, the is that, but yeah, the game, as you said, James, does feel really big on your first playthrough. Mm. I, I think I also played it on hard on my first yeah, playthrough, yeah. and I th- think it probably took me. Yeah, it's probably between twelve and fourteen hours.
0: Yeah, it feels like a big game, but uh, like many other games, Souls games included, when you actually know where you're going, what you're doing, and how you want to do it, mm-hmm. most importantly, yeah. um, it, it, it speeds up it almost immeasurably. But in this case, you can almost cut the game uh, down to about a third if you're running through it quickly, yeah. especially as I say on the easier difficulties, because um, you, you'll you'll quickly realise that you can just headshot everyone really really straightforwardly Uh, speaking of of which uh, and again kind of a nod to this having almost PC roots from back with the original Max Payne was was developed for PC primarily I think after you choose your difficulty to start you choose your Mm -hmm. aim mode and there's a hard lock a soft Mm -hmm. lock and a free aim free aim I don't know about you guys I would have loved to been able to play free aim as efficiently as I knew I would be able to Mm. with a mouse um but soft lock was the way to go for me but uh, not many console shooters have those not just options at all some of them do have them in menus you can go in and toggle that stuff um but to put it up front there as a okay this is a choice you need to make and you need to think about before you start the game uh was really interesting to me um just out of interest um in that respect, I think hard lock it refers to as a it will strongly yeah. snap to targets. So you hit LT, it's going to snap to the closest uh, enemy to your reticle. Soft lock it, it is just says it's a, a slightly uh, gentler snap lock, basically. And then free aim, obviously, you can press LT, but you're going to have to manually aim to wherever you want to go. Uh, obviously, in that case, you're probably going to need a a, a greater sensitivity on your your right stick, but. um how did you guys find that? Was there was there a particular setting that...
3: No, Hard Lock no. I found absolutely impossible to play mm. in this game because the, the game that's probably really popularised this control method would probably be the Call of Duty games. Um, and mm. this was way more aggressive than it is in Call of Duty. You lose that ability to sort of select headshots or enemies in a group. Um, so I started on Soft Lock, but I ended up on Free Aim because... Uh, there are times, mm. particularly when you play on the hard levels, you've got to get very specific, precise kills. Mm-hmm. And even on soft lock, they, were, they weren't that possible. And I found hard lock was horrific.
0: Yeah, um, it was straight personally. to dead center mm-hmm. on a chest like it would in most games. Yeah. Um, yeah, and without the ability to kind of minor make minor adjustments to it, yeah, yeah it makes it very difficult. So. Yeah, and also with
1: the with Max Payne, the enemies will spread out. So if you're trying to get like the guy on the left and the guy on the right if there's a guy in the middle of them and you're doing the hard lock it'll go like left if you want to go to the right it'll go right in the middle never yeah be able so to, yeah. it's it, it really forces its yeah. own It forces itself over Mm. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I ended up like Carl. Like I started off on soft lock, and then yeah, eventually I ended up on free aim. Free aim felt really tight for me too, even though it's obviously it's not locking anywhere. But Mm. just it's uh, the shooting in this game is really precise, so it feels really good.
2: Yeah. Mm. Mm. I played my first playthrough was on a mouse and keyboard, so free aim just came naturally. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But when I put it on hard. I went for the hard lock just to see, you know, how that would go. Would it make my game any easier to get, you know, because it's on hard? I, I kind of need an assist, but turns out it was just getting in the way. Like, like, yeah, like you said, yeah. it'll lock to the chest, and you're just like, well, that's not what I want. I could do it better with a, you know, yeah. with a pad. I could do it with, you know, better on free aim. Hmm. And yeah, it, it works fine. I was, I was, you know, really impressed by how the Rage engine, you know, it scales from table tennis to you know hardcore third-person shooter you know
0: that's
2: a good engine
0: i think at the end of my playthrough on uh on hard my my first playthrough of the game um i ended up going on to free aim but i put the sensitivity way up so that i had to be really precise with my stick movements but it meant mm-hmm. i could move quicker because that was my concern was you want to be able to move quickly between targets and with a mouse as you say darren that's much more natural mm. for a free aim system um but there's kind of there is a reason why a lot of shooters do have a soft lock inbuilt into it it's not even a toggle option it's just mm. there in this case hard lock was uh, as Carl said just way more aggressive than in most console shooters uh, to the point where I imagine on easy it would be great. You'd just yeah, LTRT, yeah. <laughs> LTRT, LTRT, and you're done. But yeah, on hard mode, it just—it was way more of a hindrance. It felt like playing with
2: one hand tied behind my back or mm. something
0: um, when I tried it out.
2: In uh, in respect to the other modes, um, I, re- mm. I really wanted to get into the other modes, but I found that they were locked behind story. So every time I went back to it on PC, I had uninstalled it, so I had to reinstall the game. And I I lost my save. So New York Minute was behind, uh, you know, a wall. So I completed the game again, because why not? It's max pain free. But then it's like, oh, do (laughs) I want to play it again immediately? (laughs) I kind of wish there was like, uh, there probably is a cheek, you know, function uh, for me to do it, but I kind of. Or just download a a save file of someone else's, yeah. yeah. But It's just like, you know, it's kind of that thing of just like, oh, man, it's it's not unlocked. And then the idea's gone by that point. Yeah. It is a good mode. I have started it a few times, but like, it's. I've always started it straight after completing it, so you yeah. know, the the impetus isn't there. I,
0: I do understand
2: why Rockstar would
0: have wanted to say, hang on a sec, yeah. even if you are really good at these types of games, hardcore, old school, and New York minute mm. modes, maybe you shouldn't wade into that in your first <laughs> playthrough. But, yeah, I think there needs to be some scope for allowing someone who does know and is sure of what they're doing to, to try that.
2: I mean, I, I guess that's the perils of buying a PC game that isn't on Steam. Mm. Like, you know, this box copy was just a boxed game, you know?
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it, it is now available on Steam as well, but yeah, it wasn't. I don't see a reason why the, the mode couldn't
3: have been unlocked, given that you logged mm. into Rockstar yeah, Social Shop, Club. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah, so if that's it true. acknowledged yeah. that you'd got the game-completed achievement, yeah, it could unlock the other modes automatically
2: yeah it was a bit frustrating I, I, but I do really enjoy playing Max Payne Free and how good it looks it, it looks really good but with the old Max Payne face like it looks brilliant I just <laughs> love oh that it's, again it's, it's such a juxtaposition of like look at how good our game looks and then you've got this screw face man you know, Sam, 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 Sam Leaks. Yeah. yeah it's brilliant I'm glad they put it in there but yeah, in terms nice of Sam touch.
3: Lake by the way best Twitter profile bar none <laughs> yeah, uh, check, check out his Twitter profile it's absolutely incredible <laughs>
0: Uh, f- for we should probably say for anyone mm, not yeah. familiar uh, Sam Lake was the writer of the first two games uh, who works at Remedy and has since written Alan Wake and as far as I know is now working on their new game, yeah. title Quantum of which Quantum yep. Break
2: They all rhyme all yeah. with his name, <laughs> Sam Lake <laughs> Quantum, Alan Break. Wake, Quantum Break What's what's going on there?
0: But he, he also provided the, um, I'm just going to say texture for Max, Max Payne's face in the first game because mm. it was just a flat texture there wasn't really any sort of modeling of multiple angles or anything like that uh and it's this rather sort of pained constipated look that <laughs> yeah. i think i think they just put in as a as a sort of texture just because they needed something there and never actually got around to changing <laughs> it. but uh, we discussed that in the in the first game and it's nice that and the original max Payne theme and and the the comments max makes when you play those uh and stuff like um captain baseball bat boy um you can you can have that pop up on the tv just nice little nods to the fact that rockstar uh, particularly rockstar vancouver but all the other people involved uh understand mm. the history of this character in this game and why people liked it so even if they are going to change the tone and go for something different yeah. the character and some of the uh kind of kooky aspects to to these games they they did hang on to which was uh, which was really nice Speaking of Rockstar Social Club, I think I actually joined it for mm-hmm. this game. I, I think certainly the crew aspect in the social club, it seemed to be that this game was the first one that it all kind of came more or less fully formed for. Um, the, they have the achievements built into Rockstar Social Club. Uh, they have the, the sort of challenges or pop up the, the medals uh, as you're going through where they've got counters for each of the different Challenges, so uh, X number of kills with mm-hmm. rifles or whatever. Um, and yeah, they allowed you to create crews, um, which I believe we have a can and rinse one yep. for uh, this and multiple other Rockstar games uh, since. And that all kind of fed into the multiplayer and DLC. Um, yep. I'd never touched the multiplayer. All of the DLC, as far as I know, was multiplayer maps, yeah. weapons, that kind of thing. Um, but it's, a, it's an aspect of the game that I just never got into, despite having intentions of doing so, um, something about these games just f- feels right as a single-player experience to me. Carl, I know you played loads, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come to you in a sec, but Darren and Sean, did, did either of you guys get involved in, in multiplayer for this game?
2: Mm. Uh, for me personally, I played it online on the PC, uh, random multiplayer deathmatch, and it was laggy, so mm. I never went back to it. Uh, but then I did. Um, recently... Have a one on one with my good friend Kip, okay, Will. And uh, we did a one on one. We just, I I hosted a game, pistols only, like n- no radar or anything like that. It was just like, just me versus him in this kind of like weird <laughs> Mexican standoff, diving around rooftops and stuff. And it was really, really tense. Like, we we're both on like, uh, you know, the voice chat. And he's like, I can see you. And you're like, oh, can he see me? He's <laughs> trying to suck me out. And there was a real, Real good kind of like uh, mind games going on. And when you hear like, when you accidentally knock over a bottle or something and you're like, there he is. Like you proper start like just dumping bullets in that corner and you can catch him in the leg and just hear him scream and shout. (laughs) I wish I'd have done it more because it it works really well as a one versus one game because the environments are so small. They're so tight if you want them to be. Um, But when the environments do start expanding in a one-on-one environment, you just start lobbing grenades and like you can just gauge by their reaction of like you'll throw a grenade and they'll just dive out of the way but then because they're diving out of the way you can just see them and just like like in the single yeah, player yeah. just take them down in one shot yeah <laughs> it, it, if people want to play it 1v1 it, it works really well
1: yeah i um i played a little bit of it uh but i i was still knee deep in other online shooters like uncharted and stuff so uh, third person shooters so there's really only enough room in me for one of those kind of games at the time so unfortunately I never really gave it too much Mm. of a chance but um, I don't know if it's still active on PC or not but I'd I'd like to give it a shot
0: Cool, and uh, Carl, as I say I know you got plenty out of the multiplayer for this one, or at least that's my memory of it. Yeah,
3: it's weird because I didn't think I'd like Max Payne 3 multiplayer Hmm. I tend not to play a lot of third person shooter multiplayers Uh, Gears of War may be the only exception Hmm. And this didn't seem like the kind of game that would necessarily lend itself to a great multiplayer. And so myself and my friend, Paul, uh, or Widget, um, jumped online. We thought we'd give it a few goes and we had a a laugh and we started learning the maps, which were pretty cool because the maps are taken from the game, but they're completely reworked to be the best versions of them for multiplayer. So you you know you get you get a, you get the bus depot for example you get the river docks the Branco headquarters etc uh, areas like that but they are made specifically to benefit that style of multiplayer and the multiplayer features the weapons of the game and it includes bullet time and stuff don't ask me how they did it witchcraft <laughs> and it has loads of different game modes from it has hardcore modes uh, larger versions of them. Uh, Team uh, Deathmatch, one-on-one, free-for-alls, etc. It was really varied in what it did. The problem was that it was never a game that was going to be massively uh, popularized. Um, So Hmm. some modes were a bit harder to get games Hmm. in than others. Yeah, sure. But I ended up ranking myself to level 50. I believe I hit Legend status, which is prestige you know Mm. because every game has to have a prestige (laughs) and i think i did i I believe i did that and i did all the multiplayer completely legit no boosting i just played it all with my friend paul we went in and it was really good it was no matter how much i tried to get other (laughs) people to play and try it when there's games like gears of war and there's games like call of duty and battlefield it's you know it's understandable that people don't necessarily want Mm. to play quote-unquote a lesser multiplayer experience you know there's less players it doesn't have that you know that pizzazz about it that the, the other ones do that might be the only time i ever used pizzazz i don't know why i use that word i sound about 70 now <laughs> um and uh, uh it, it's a real shame because it's something that they've obviously worked on they released dlc for it i bought all the dlc for the extra maps and they were really good um they all had their own achievements which you know, I'm not gonna lie, it was originally the achievements are what pushed me into it, but a genuine enjoyment for the game kept me there. It's something similar to the experience that I described on the Crisis Two podcast, where that multiplayer for me was arguably better than the single player game. Now I wouldn't say it for this, but it was mm. certainly of the same caliber. You know, so it was a game that I felt did a great story mode, great extra modes, and a great multiplayer. You know, so it obviously did something right, but the multiplayer, <laughs> um, in terms of what they offered, I thought they did a, an, an outstanding job.
0: Uh, as I say, one that I I missed at the time, and obviously on uh, on consoles certainly now, and and PC likely as well, unless you know you've got a group of uh, friends to to go and play on it, it's uh, just mm. Ghost Town, um, which isn't surprising anyway for a uh, uh, three-year-old game, but um, but certainly I think far. Far more quickly after release than, than perhaps would have been expected. It uh, it got that way, sadly. Um, one last thing before we go on to just some some final uh, just bits and bobs. Um, the UI. Mm. I was um I, I hadn't got it installed on Steam, so I couldn't fire it up to to try today. But I just popped up a video, and I, and I was surprised how. Minimalist and how subtle yeah. the UI is actually uh, throughout the game, which I suppose speaks to the fact that they wanted the aesthetic and the visuals to kind of to to be unimpeded but uh, the reticle is just a dot mm-hmm. by default uh it'll turn gray when you're actually over an enemy, white usually uh, it becomes a cross when you you've killed the enemy uh, just for a, a brief sort of half second um, and then down the bottom right hand corner. Uh, are the the usual sort of silhouette of max that goes from white to red as you as you get damaged. Uh the number of painkillers you have sits over the top of that. Uh your ammo count for the gun you have equipped sits underneath and your bullet time bar down the side and it's it looks really minimalist to the point where it's almost completely unobtrusive from your experience of the game uh which I was I'd forgotten, but I remember now at the time, uh, really pleasantly surprised by, because obviously third-person shooters at the time have a lot of the sort of red effects around the screen as you Mm. get damaged. They also have recharging health and and the like, which Max Payne uh, 3 didn't, which was nice as well. Um, But it was all just, no, here's the information you need on screen. That's it. Don't worry about everything else. It just felt really sort of scaled back in a way that felt very deliberate and very in keeping with keeping you focused on mm. the story and the action on screen rather than the other bits i suppose is the way to put it uh, i just thought it was really nice
2: yeah i seem to remember the other max pain games having a similar look as well in terms of their you know just a little silhouette of max in the corner with the painkillers and you know that, that feels like we've read the more injured he is yeah i've always been oh it's never really bothered me which means yeah. it's done a good job yeah. like you know about a bad, a bad yeah. ui yeah can you know can ruin a game really but uh yeah max pain Free even with the weapon wheel mm. it never felt in the way it never felt like you know oh you know i wish these things would fade away like even some games nowadays i feel like we've got well, i say we i feel like the games industry has progressed really well with uh ui and you know all that uh guff but yeah max pain Free is minimalist but you know really really effective
0: Last few bits I just wanted to mention about the release and reception of this game, just because I think it's quite interesting alongside how long it took to develop, etc. Um, there was a comic book that um, that wasn't written by Dan Hauser and Sam Lake, but they both kind of uh, agreed to it, sanctioned it and, and oversaw the, the story that was going to be in there. Um, and there was Certainly to my memory, a pretty massive promotional push for the game. There were certainly billboard adverts, Mm -hmm. adverts on the side of buses, uh, cinema adverts I remember seeing uh, around the time. It seems like Rockstar and Take-Two, as uh, publisher and distributor, made a massive effort to get this game out there. Um, And the reason I remember that so significantly is because... Before today, when I looked up sales for this game, I got the impression that next to Rockstar's other games, they'd made a massive effort for advertising the kind that they did for GTA 4 and GTA 5, but maybe didn't see the results mm-hmm. from that that yeah. like they'd hoped. Because as far as I'm aware, there has been no mention of no. another Max Payne game. It's kind of like just being dropped like a, you know... Like mm. a hot potato by um, by Rockstar, they just seem to want to mention nothing to do with it. You know, there's always rumours of another Bully game and another Red Dead Redemption game yeah. floating around, but with Max Payne three, it just seemed like well, this didn't live up to expectations. Again, I look today, I couldn't find any official statements from anyone connected to the game to that effect. It's just a feeling I had at the time, and so it surprised me a little bit. I've got to say, to to look up sales for this and see that. Um, Max Payne three sold three million copies uh in the first month, four million in the first year, slightly more on p s three and obviously this excludes seam uh sales as as is always the case um it also i remember and and was uh correct in thinking seemed to be received by reviewers you know critically received really mm-hmm. really well uh probably better than i think the general public. Uh, seem to overall uh, receive the game uh, again i 'm making judgment calls on stuff you know metacritic of eighty six or eighty seven yeah. depending upon um which which version and uh, I think only one negative review amongst all three different mm. versions of the game that Metacritic uh, look at and you can't take what VG charts or Metacritic have to say as as evidence or facts necessarily but as as a, um, a sort of loose barometer it just seemed like a very interesting game in terms of the way in terms of rockstars expectations yeah. the way it then performed critically and sold uh, and and the just you know. silence since i mean the, the dlc came out. But, um any of you guys have, have particular takes on on that aspect of, of this game
1: rockstar felt pretty confident that this was gonna continue as a franchise because um i would say because of the ending really um the ending of the game is actually like probably my only negative against it um the way it ends how it's you know he's just in another country, and he's got like a bag of, assuming of cash or his just belongings or something, and he's, uh, you know, he's on a beach and he's drinking some kind of, you know, alcoholic or or I don't know what that is, maybe a soda or something, but it just uh, it seems like it was setting it up for some kind of sequel that you know he could mm. go on another adventure at some point. When um, to me it felt like the story was building up to an ending for him, uh, most likely a death. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it felt like that. Rockstar seemed pretty confident that they were going to keep going with Max Payne and yeah it just seems like it totally wasn't I don't know other than you three honestly you're three the only people I know that have finished the game (laughs) I know people who have started it like Josh and Leon both started it but they didn't really get on with it well either but yeah it just seems surprising honestly that it wasn't so well received by the general public
3: there doesn't seem a whole lot of information either before or after in terms of demand or uh, like sales so to actually see those numbers is a little bit surprising. I probably would have assumed it did a little mm. bit worse. Yeah, me too. Um, mm. I'm also yeah. surprised yes. that the Metacritic is so high, which I guess I shouldn't be because nearly everyone I've spoken to has a lot of positive things to say about it, aside from the people that would say that the visual aspect would give them a headache or they didn't quite click with the story, which you know this, this game absolutely does focus on the story. So if you don't get that, then you know you're not going to enjoy the experience. But... I think a lot of it comes down to, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that Rockstar published Max Payne 2, Max Payne does not seem like a Rockstar franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think of the Rockstar games, you think of Red Dead Redemption, which is weird because obviously that wasn't initially a Rockstar franchise either, (coughs) the Red Red Dead series. Uh, Obviously, Grand Theft Auto is Rockstar, Bully is Rockstar, but then you get the ones like Max Payne, which doesn't seem to be, and then State of Emergency, which thankfully everyone's forgotten about, because <laughs> it was a terrible game. It it just seems that there, there's, there's that line of what is a Rockstar yeah. IP, and Max Payne just doesn't seem to have that identity as a Rockstar title, and mm-hmm. I think if it did, it would have sold better on the back of it being Rockstar than it being mm-hmm. a Max Payne game. And there are a lot of Max Payne fans, so they were probably always likely to pick up Max Payne 3 because that's the that's the camp that I fell into. I was getting this because I was a huge fan of the other two and I know you were the same, Jib. So, you know, as a franchise, it holds a lot for me. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no Yeah, like, like, like for I, me. Maybe Rockstar will put another one out because you're saying you're not finding the information, but let's be honest, you're not hearing Rockstar confirm Bully yeah. uh, 2 or Red Dead 4, I think we're on now. So Rockstar are quite secretive about their information. Maybe they're already working on it. But i i wouldn 't bank on it, but I hope so because <laughs> I, you know I would like to play another yeah. one if the don 't it's ended on a good note for me regardless
0: yeah I, th- I think um to say the the information I found saying that they'd sold four four million in the first year, presumably not that much more than that because um i I just don 't imagine it had massively long legs in terms of sales versus a red dead redemption or a grand theft auto those sales aren't what Rockstar would expect. So if the game cost anything like what those games cost to develop, which obviously Red Dead Redemption is kind of in a field of its own in Mm. that respect, or the marketing money they put towards it was anything like those games, the return probably isn't what would have been expected because we're talking 10 to 20 million copies sold for for your average um, Rockstar big game mm. but this did feel like something that could coexist to me it, it, not in in terms of what i think of as a rockstar game but in terms of like knowing that manhunt comes from rockstar or la noir comes from rockstar <laughs> two of the games that i
3: completely forgot about
0: <laughs> <laughs> um i saw Mac, max Payne being able to sit alongside that i think the tone of this game put enough people off that it's a concern as to a lo- like something like a Manhunt, although these are quite tonally different games, but Manhunt put a lot of people off just by its very nature, so it was never going to be a big, popular, successful game. Likewise, Max Payne 3, even more so than the previous two, the tone of it, and uh, as we've said, we know people who have not finished this game because of the tone and, and the sales dropped off after the first month, etc. It seems like actually playing the game did put some people off, but that's not to say it couldn't be a lesser... Um, tier title that Rockstar could keep going it just yeah. it doesn't sound like there's much happening and and you're right absolutely right Carl Rockstar will release a game or announce a game when they are ready to do so mm-hmm. and that we don't tend to get many leaks etc from them but um, I think the other thing is it, there just doesn't seem to be the sort of demand like for a, a bully or a red dead or something like that where every so often an article will pop up where someone's asking why this hasn't happened or, you know, yeah. saying, look how much interest there is in, mm-hmm. in this. And, and with Max Payne, it just doesn't necessarily seem to be there.
3: I think it's something that was maybe more important to rock development for future titles than, than in terms of sales. You know, that, shooting mechanic in Max Payne established itself in Grand Theft Auto yeah, V. That totally. was huge for Grand Theft Auto V to finally have a proper Definitely. shooting mechanic in it. You know, it set up all of Rockstar social club for how to interact with um, crews uh, uh, and organizing your players and, and your crew hierarchies and stuff. All that ran... Obviously, Max Payne 3 was the one that ran all these things first. How to um, mm. deliver multiplayer uh, DLCs you know because obviously we'd had single player DLCs with GTA 4 but you know these are all things that that came with Max Payne 3 perhaps that might be the best thing that we get from this is that the core things that were so good about Max Payne 3 will filter through into the other Rockstar titles now um obviously not bullet time because that yeah. is Max yeah, Payne absolutely. 3 but in terms of the actual core movement, shooting, uh, animations, because Max Payne 3, something we haven't even touched on, has incredible animations throughout that game. Um, You know, all these things uh, definitely had a positive effect on what we've seen from Grand Theft Auto 5. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I absolutely agree wholeheartedly. Um, For what it's worth for anyone from Rockstar listening, Max Payne is a character that fits into a Grand Theft Auto world. I I think Mm -hmm. Trevor and Michael those two characters in particular in grand theft auto 5 kind of mm. showed that they were two aspects of his character in some yeah. way or or could fit into the same world as him in some way you know so yeah i i think for me that's that's what's interesting is is as you say carl what what max Payne 3 then lent to other games uh in in rockstar's catalogue speaking of other people who who may or may not have finished the game uh, we had quite a bit of feedback from our community at slash forum. Every week, what we do is pop up uh, a, a stickied forum topic that is uh, for feedback for our next recording. Uh, and in the case of Max Payne 3, we had some really good uh, feedback. I haven't included all of it here, but I've included what I, th- I thought we had time and scope for and, and a variety of different responses, uh, which thank you very much for these and for all feedback put onto the uh, forums much appreciated Uh, Carl would you like to kick us off Joe TBD said Max Payne was great
3: in its day but there are so many choices in the third person shooter market that it no longer stands out and I don't think 3 did anything to set itself apart from the crowd in terms of quality or
0: novelty Mm. (laughs) the hmm was Carl's (laughs) addition to that particular uh, message apologies Carl for giving you that one I know we're all quite positive on on the game but other, other opinions are available. Um, Sean.
1: All right, Flabio slash Glenn Watts says, I certainly enjoyed playing through Max Payne 3, but the game itself doesn't really stick in my memory that much. The story even less so, apart from a couple really quite shockingly violent twists in a game that's already pretty violent. Two things about it do stick, though. The music, parentheses, which sounds to play, has already talked about, and the kinetic typography stuff. I love kinetic typography. More games need to use it, like Device 6 and Lost Odyssey, for some examples.
0: Excellent. Yeah, uh, as, as mentioned before, I always just refer to it as dynamic subtitles, mm. uh, which is kind of just yes. a synonym for kinetic typography, but that makes more sense because subtitles are obviously there for yeah. translation, yeah. typography uh, in that way, as, as I mentioned earlier, isn't. Um, thank you very much for that. Um, this one's quite a long one. Uh, I did a little bit of uh, sort of editing here and there, but I wanted to leave it pretty much intact just because uh, there's some really nice points made, and it shows... Um, it ju- it tells a story about Alex's uh, response to this game. So uh, yeah, here we go. Alex seventy nine UK. I enjoyed Max Payne three. I was a huge fan of the original two, so as you'd expect, I was pretty hyped for the third in the trilogy when it was initially announced. But as time passed and the game seemed doomed to development hell, I pretty much lost interest and stopped keeping track of progress. I eventually picked the game up pre owned a couple of years after it had been released. Initial impressions weren't that great. It seemed to have lost the charm of the originals, it felt faintly depressing to play, and even Max's one-liners did little to lighten the mood. I played through the first couple of stages but became increasingly annoyed with the stop-start mechanic of the game. It seemed like you never actually got to take control of Max for more than a minute or two at at a time before an unskippable cutscene, used to mass loading times, as I'm sure we all know, took over and fired line after line of exposition at you whilst the characters almost appeared to be playing for time whilst the game loaded. I stopped playing during the scene where you were sniping at people in the football stadium. I resigned myself to the fact that this game wasn't for me. What had once been a genuinely fresh experience with the originals had sadly become just another cover shooter. In fact I was of the opinion that the cover shooting mechanic had almost stripped Max Payne of what it was best known for. There was little point in ever actually using bullet time when you could just pop up from cover to take out the bad guys. Then as my copy of the game lay under the TV, alone and unloved for some reason, I don't know why, I got an urge to give it another try. I picked up from where I left off, stuck with it and was ultimately rewarded with one of my favourite third person shooters of the last generation. Sure, it had a few niggles, but I just let that slide and enjoyed the action when it came. There really were some truly epic gunfights during the second half of the game. The airport section has got to be right up with it there with the best video game battles of all time. Just the grand scale of the action, the surging music driving you on, all leading towards a bloody explosive finale. The game had its dull points. You could sit and pick faults with it all day long. But if you could overlook these and take the game for what it is, a brainless shooter with a stupid story, you'll have a lot of fun with it. The graphics were excellent. Poverty-stricken favelas have never looked better. The audio was incredible, hooked up through 5.1 speakers and a decent sub, it's lucky the riot police weren't crashing through my front door. And the gunplay, surely the most important part of any shooter, was excellent. I remember hoping once I'd finished the game that Rockstar would wholesale lift the shooting elements of Max Payne 3 and drop them right into GTA 5, and they pretty much did. I never got involved with the multiplayer, so I can't comment on that. But as a single player experience, if you can sit through an almost mind-numbingly boring first two or three hours, the game is brilliant. Whew, a long one, but I hope it's, it's obvious yeah. why I thought it was important to, to, to sort of go through that. I think there's a lot of really uh, cool points made and a really nice story that um, Alex obviously kind of didn't gel with the game, but then managed to uh, after a bit, of, uh, mm-hmm.
2: a bit of sticking with it. Chase. 210 says, my favourite Rockstar game, alongside uh, with Red Dead Redemption. I dig the soundtrack. Got the right length, like the story, even though it's pretty stupid and riddled with plot holes of its own creation. I like the character of Max Payne, even though he's a whining git. I like the gameplay. In my mind, it's the best shooting Rockstar has ever put into a game, and the bullet time is a great addition. I don't think I've played the multiplayer even once, though. It's probably a ghost town these days. Yeah, sadly, sadly so.
0: We also have an email from Josh Crow, who contacted us via our email address, podcast at cananrince.com. His email, like alex79uk's forum post, is quite a long one, but hopefully as I'm reading it, you'll see why. It kind of tells a a story of his uh, his emotions and feelings about the game, and I think it makes sense to, to leave intact. So here we go. Josh Crow via email says, Max Payne 3 is a weird one for me. I fully admit to being part of Minority by saying this, but I am a self-confessed superfan of the first two games. I know almost every word of the script for the first game and I'm not far behind with the second. I can even tolerate the movie. Just. But this game has never been able to sit truly right with me, to the extent that I can't really find it within me to brand this game the title of being the third entry into the series. One positive I can definitely give this game is how gorgeous it looks, it easily rubs shoulders with the likes of Heavy Rain and The Last of Us, and for the most part it's brimming with vibrant colours, which is no doubt reflective of the setting, it made a pleasant change from the bland colour palette the previous games offered, it was amazing to see what the modern generation of gaming could offer at the time, and after having played played it again only weeks ago to coincide with the podcast schedule, I'm happy to report that it looks just as good today as it did when it was first released. My real bugbear with this game is the story. It's difficult to really say why because this game, just like all of their others, is a labour of love and I have always trusted Rockstar to create worlds with rich characters and organic environments, but I can't help but find this story particularly jarring. I completely understand their decision to take the story this way. And it does make sense to have it set in a location that is as far away from Max's own comfort zone as possible. Needless to say, the superfan in me certainly did not expect to see Max Payne getting lost down the rabbit hole of a Brazilian favela in a third instalment, and as the game goes on it becomes apparent that even Max himself shares that exact sentiment. The stylistic cutscenes try to keep the story in a comic book-esque format like we're used to, with words selected seemingly at random to flash on the screen as important points, but it doesn't do anything to enhance the story and can actually become quite irritating when you realise that it's more like an episode of 24 than a comic strip. Although the setting is well grounded and set well within the boundaries of reality, and despite that infamous airport scene arguably being the standout moment of the entire game, it all just seems rather strange. I completely understand that Max is a visual stereotype of a gun-toting American in an alien land that has completely turned its back on him, but I really feel like it just doesn't fit. It's like they made a setting that does not suit the character instead of a character that does not suit the setting, as backwards as that sounds. One scene I am quite fond of, however, is the first flashback scene of Max when he was still in New York. The scene shows Max sitting at a bar, and the narration tells us that he has been here repeatedly for quite a considerable time. What I like about this scene is the music in the background. It's a song by Gary Clark Jr. called Bright Lights. And if you were ever looking for an anthem for a noir-like character, this hits the nail on the head. The lyrics talk about being stuck at the bottom of a bottle with every day simply merging into the next and the blues, like groove of the track, has a really sleazy tone to it so that you can really associate it with a man whose sense of being has been broken and he is reduced to merely staggering through the filthy New York streets after having been kicked out of a bar for drinking far too much. What makes this even better is how the song is being played on the jukebox of the bar and is naturally kept at the back of the mix in order to keep the dialogue from being drowned out. This makes the song relevant, but keeps it organic within the scene so you wouldn't even notice it. It's moments like these that cement Rockstar at the forefront of games design because you can just sit back in awe at the amount of thought that evidently went into these scenes, but I can't help but wonder where they would have taken the story if they decided to keep it within the New York environment we've experienced previously. It's this what-if situation that leaves me perplexed regarding my overall opinion about this game. Although the drastic change of setting and pace make for a very different game, I really do struggle to love this game as intensively as the other two. Yes, the stories from the previous games beggar belief, and yes, all of those god-awful metaphors make me roll my eyes, but those games had a particular spark of charm that I feel this third game just lacks. It's not a terrible game by any means and I will happily play it again multiple times because after all it's more Max Payne, but I can't seem to get over the hurdle of of it being simply style over substance. Nevertheless, it's still a fantastic effort by Rockstar and if there's room in this world for the pitiful film ab- adaptation then there is most certainly room in the world for this game. That was just uh, an excellent email. Thank you very, very much, Josh. Um, slightly different to our, our own opinions which we'll come to in a second but um, but yeah, just uh, j- just really well put. So thank you very much for that. And the the last of our... Community contributions come via the form of three-word reviews. On the day of recording, we send out a tweet just to ask for reviews of the game, but limited to only three words. So look out for those uh, periodically from at Rince, our Twitter account. Uh, and we had several today. Darren, would you like to kick us off? Hmm.
2: Alex79UK says, persistence is
0: rewarded. Uh, Torino, uh also Daniel Gomez. Hilarious foreign accents with a winky face because... Daniel Gomez is from Brazil, where (laughs) Mm. the game is sent. Sent? Set. Oh, jeez. Words (laughs) not coming easily. Anyway, thank you, Daniel.
3: Gavlar, 2.55. (laughs) Brilliant bullet
2: time.
1: Adderblack39 says, Favourite game, 2012.
2: Spilt Milk Studio says, Turgid Denzel (laughs) Simulator.
1: (laughs)
0: You're laughing because you thought I said turd, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, poo jokes. Okay. Stu Gone, uh, also known as Stu Anderson, says similar but bald. <laughs> An ironic one here from Mike Dixon,
3: given that I've played Battlefield with him before.
1: <laughs> Worst bodyguard ever. And Ben McSkelly says way too long. Indeed. Thank you very, very
0: much for all of your feedback, be it via forum, emails, or indeed three word reviews. Um, that just leaves it for us to sum up how we feel about Max Payne 3. Sean, would you like to uh, to summarize your feelings about the game?
1: Max Payne Three is probably my, I probably put it in my second favorite third person shooter ever, maybe um, slightly under Uncharted, which I know isn't popular in this particular group. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I've I, outside of Uncharted Two, this is probably the most I've played a third person shooter, especially the campaign. Like I've played it. Like I said, on every platform, multiple times, um, it's just so nasty and violent. And sometimes that really appeals to me. And that's weird, and I don't (laughs) know why. You know, it it just ended up being totally a surprise because I wasn't expecting much from it. And uh, just the quality of of the visuals, to the sound, to the gunplay, to the level design, which I wish I would have brought up earlier because the level design in this is immaculate in my opinion it's just it's, it's so realistic but fun to play with and yeah I just love the story it, I just I could keep going on about how much I love everything about the game aside from literally the very last scene which is just whatever I can uh, move on without that but um yeah it's just an excellent game and I really hope people give it a chance you can find it for like five bucks on pc it's, you know super cheap now and, it, and, and especially if you have a pc that can play this game it looks ridiculous re- ridiculous um it looks really good on consoles too but it just it, it's another world on pc so yeah highly recommended uh, definitely one of my favorites
0: excellent thank you very much yeah it's worth saying uh, steam sales are your friend for, for yeah, this yeah. Uh, rockstar always have a rockstar pack up as well which is ridiculous mm-hmm. value um but there is a high-res texture pack which takes the game install i think darren checked just before we started to about 35 gigs and yeah so um Maybe pick a month where you're not going to go over your your download cap, but uh, otherwise, absolutely uh, a great way to show off a decent PC and and a great way to experience a game.
2: Darren, Max Payne three. Hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. MP three. Yeah. There's a reason why. Um. When I was working in late in game stores, there's a reason why people. Much like Rare on the N64 days, that people honed in on the R logo on the front of boxes. There's a reason why people do the same with Rockstar. Like you, you see the R on the front, and you, it's, a, it's a seal of quality. I was quite surprised by the sale because people always sort of mention it socially as a failure. But um, I, mean, I don't know how much it costs to make, but I feel like four million overall from VG charts. You know, proves that people are still picking up the, the boxes with the Rockstar logo on the front. And Max Payne Free is a benchmark in quality for third-person shooters. I don't think I've played a better one. You know, there are there are brilliant ones out there like *Resident Evil*, *Gears of War*, and all those ones that kind of they they kind of revolutionised the genre. But I think *Max Payne 3* is, from personally for me, the the pinnacle of the genre, and it hasn't been beaten since. You know, I've mentioned it throughout the podcast, but the fact the the thing that appealed to me the most about the game. Is it's dark story and it, it's kind of, you know, it's dark humor as well. There, there's bits in there that just make me laugh because it's just so ridiculous. Um, but ultimately, the, the way Max dives around the, the great level designer Sean said and the way he reacts to it and the way, you know, the way you then feel the results of that is why I love Max Pain Free more than any other third person shooter. I, as soon as someone mentions it on Twitter or anywhere else, I get the urge to play it again. Like, it's just like, yeah, just play it again because you know you're guaranteed a good time. And I I try different stuff out every time. Like, you know, sometimes I may run for a kitchen. Another time I may belly slide across the uh, the hobs. You know, you may not burn, but, you know, it's still good. It's still, It reminded me of playing Max Payne 1. When I first got that and seeing things explode, it was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go in a room and just launch, uh, I'm going to launch grenades and fire <laughs> shotguns in every corner and see what happens. Uh, yeah, Max Payne 3. Um, I can see why people don't want to play it because of its um, depressing tones. And, you know, if you're sitting down to play a computer game or, you know, a video game, you're not really, maybe not in that way of mind, you know, that, that way inclined of being depressed. But if you can, if you can get past the, the gritty, horrible nature of the story, there is a really good third-person shooter And uh, I I hate to give absolutes, but it's my favourite and I love it. I want to play it again. Excellent. Thank
0: you very much. In some ways, I kind of wish I could sit here and, and explain why there are aspects about Max Payne 3 I shouldn't like. We seem to be fairly uniformly positive about the game, which isn't always a great thing. I think we've been able to to talk about plenty of aspects that that um, that worked for us and and why and explain why and justify perhaps our opinions. But to watch, as I did today, to watch some footage of Max Payne three being played, it is kind of a counterpoint to Gears of War in terms of the speed and everything. And as a third person shooter, it doesn't it feel it looks very different to that as well as feels very different. Uh, but just to look at it. I could levy all of the same criticisms that I happily levy, uh, not happily, but freely levy uh, the Uncharted games for for why I don't enjoy them, despite being able to accept that there are amazing things about those games. But when I get my hands on a controller with Max Payne 3, it feels so great to play there this game is not supposed to be fun to play. Nothing about this game is supposed to be fun to play for the first experience. The story, the aesthetic the way it looks the the visual um elements and and affectations it, it puts on the the sort of filters the the scan lines it puts through it are supposed to be in some way distracting but building to this overall aesthetic that is very impressive but not supposed to be fun i I don't think that wasn't my experience when I played it, however. The thing that drew me to it, despite what could be seen as negatives uh, that would certainly things that would put people off as barriers to the game, um, the way it feels when it's in your hands. There's something about the feeling of it, the fast kinetic action, the soundtrack layered under everything that's happening, and the the visual filters over the top that just give it this really interesting, albeit very off-putting and downbeat. Uh, Downbeat being a very understated way of describing the tone. But th- there are aspects to it that should push me away um, in terms of the violence, in terms of uh, the the characters. There-, there just aren't many likeable characters. But there's something compelling about the whole thing together, the way it feels when it's in your hand, sinking yourself into that world and accepting the hopelessness of it. There's something about that that is uh, nonetheless... Uh, intriguing and interesting and I want to put myself in Max's place in that way but then the moment you hit that bullet time switch it's just again not fun but there's something really gripping about it, about the kinetic feel of this whole game and it is just incredibly well done and it makes me sad um, to think that there might not be a a place for this type of game uh, again Um, I think in many ways I see Max Payne 3 as what Kanan Lynch might have been, pretended to be, maybe, or, or aspired to be. It has that kind of feel to it. So if you're someone who played those games and, and wants something more like that, Max Payne 3 is exactly where you want to go. Um, I, I just hope we get more of that from Rockstar and they don't just stick to the safer bets, perhaps, of a Grand Theft Auto or a Red Dead Redemption. I loved it. Uh, and Carl... How did you feel about Max Payne 3? You hated it, right? Yeah, so this is an
3: interesting situation, right, where normally the person who goes last is the one that's the most keen on it, and the three people in front of me have pretty much said it's their favourite third-person shooter ever, bar bar Sean, who only ranked it as his second favourite of all time. (laughs) Many people say that they didn't get on with it, that it wasn't fun, that they stopped playing, and that seems bizarre to me because games are developing to the point that why should they always have to be fun? We watch movies that aren't fun, we read books that aren't fun. We stick with TV shows for seasons that aren't fun. And yet we're left to believe that video games can't try and be bold, or they can be too miserable or too gritty, you know, and, and this game was brave enough to go for that. And, and I can only praise Rockstar for a, a they're stuck with a story which, you know, at times people can say it's silly. Is it any sillier than any other video game story? No, not really. The fact that they actually went with a a story that was somewhat based in a reality. We faced the gritty times with the drug rings, uh, the the black market, etc. that actually exists in this world. You know, we've got a character who is completely self-aware that he's not a good person. You know, we're surrounded with characters that we don't like, but we know that people like that do exist. You know, we've got these these rich kids who are spoiled brats. Hey, guess what? They're everywhere, you know? Do we, are we supposed to like them? No, but they're important to the story and the development of it. So for me, I thought as a whole package, the story delivered was entirely bold by Rockstar to go with it. And I think they pulled it off really, really well. And that really added to it. My first story, uh, my first time through the story that was my entire focus you know as jim said it took 12 to 14 hours for me and in that i took in the story i enjoyed it sure the loading times were long but hey guess what if i'm getting a story delivered to me i have not got a problem you know it's it's better than a, a stationary black loading screen it's got a gunplay mechanic which is very arguably best in class and we're flooded with great third-person games. You know, Dead Space, Tomb Raider, Gears of War, Uncharted. They're, they're all big-profile third-person games, and I'd rank this shoot Mechanic ahead of any of them. Sean mentioned it at the start of his wrap-up that we wish we'd talk about the world design, and I truly wish we did, because there's 14 levels in this game, two of which are flashbacks, and all of them have absolutely sublime level design. That level design also went into the multiplayer, where they were reworked for a better multiplayer experience. That's a lot of time and effort that's gone into it. I find it very hard to criticize any of the areas that you go into. They're all believable. They're all based in real-world locations. You know, from the Panama River to uh, the Branco headquarters to um, New Jersey to the to the Irish bars. The way that you can play it. You know, it's a linear game, it's a linear story, but you can still approach how you uh, the action completely different. Do you stick behind cover, or do you take the run and gun method? Do you use the explo- uh, explosions of the cars and the environment around you? How do you play it? Do you are you conservative or are you bold? It's it offers a lot in that 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 many other games don't. It's got animations which are just unbelievable. It really shows off the engine. There's a part where you're walking through Brazil, and you can watch some kids playing football in a little playground and it's absolutely mind-blowing how good the animation is in that and that's something that you don't even look at it's not a focus of the game you go and find it you've got a story that you can uh, look up in the world with the collectibles with the evidence that you can find that's all there that's completely optional to the player you you know you've got moments of twists and turns it's there's elements of a thriller you know does passos sell you out doesn't he sell you out does it really matter if he does because he's done more good than he's done bad for you do you understand his plight because he wants to protect the girl that he loves? All that is in there. And it evolves around the player. And on beyond all that and the ending and the boss fights, which the, I couldn't criticise any of them. I actually genuinely liked every sort of, well, the two boss battles towards the end of the game. Really enjoyed them. Um, and then this game does this really strange thing. I preferred every consecutive playthrough. I enjoyed this game the more I played it. You know, stuff didn't become less special. The, the gameplay mechanics actually improved because I found that I could actually utilize the world that I'd learned in previous playthroughs to have, you know, the quote unquote perfect play. The, the modes with New York Minute absolutely leaned towards that my New York Minute hardcore player, I probably enjoyed, despite, you know, that, the, the, the stress that we all get, all the frustrations when something goes wrong, I probably enjoyed that more than my approach through the single-player game the first time, and I really enjoyed that. They tried a lot with Max Payne 3. It had more to it than it probably had any right to have. You know, they, they really went to town for something that was never going to get the sales, or the drive that something like GTA would you know that, that that was never going to happen we i think everyone expected that rockstar themselves and take two will have been exactly the same but what they actually got was a product that was far beyond what many even myself who was a huge max Payne fan could have expected you know this game went through development hell came out the other side smelling of roses how often is that not the case there are little things if i wanted to nitpick in this that that i would have proper issues with but for a game that You know, I happily spent £100 on the collector's edition. I then went and spent another £100 to buy it for my friend for his birthday, because I thought he would appreciate it. I have bought this game for several other people. I have bought it on the PC as well. And I still enjoy playing through it. You can get this game from the local supermarkets for about £5. You can get it cheaper than that in a Steam sale. That is an absolute bargain for what is arguably the best in class for shooter mechanics. You may not get on with the story, but for the price that you can pick this up, it's so worth trying that I just think it would be absolutely ridiculous for people to continue to write this off because it 's not noir. You know Max Payne has developed games have developed over the last ten years over the you know since Max payne came out why why shouldn 't it have made a bold move in a different direction for me it 's all the better for it this game is one of my favourite third-person shooters that I've ever played, and it was certainly my favourite game of 2012. You can get this for absolute pennies in any sale. I implore you to buy
0: it. And that is our final word on the matter. Um, It only remains for me to thank Sean O'Brien, Carl Moon and Darren Gargett. I am about to reach for the painkillers, and you will hear some health as a result, but before that point... Uh, is for me to remind you that in issue 175 you will need to bring Pritt stick, some blue tack and a roll of double-sided sticky tape as we attempt to reassemble the shattered memories of Silent Hill thank you very much for joining us see you next time <laughs>